Welcome to Hello Health Today, where health is a leadership strategy and self-care is a professional responsibility. I'm Dr. Carmen Mohan. We are so excited to announce that Hello Health is growing. One of our new team members is counselor Janae Hicks, whose clients rave about her warm personality, empathetic attention, and useful advice. Janae Hicks is a person-centered therapist with a holistic approach to mental health and therapy. She is passionate about providing purposeful mental health support to high-performing professionals. Most intrigued by people exposed to trauma, she has devoted much of her career to working with leaders to help them cope with the everyday and ever-present stresses of their work. Through individual and group therapy sessions, professional retreats, and conferences, Janae helps her clients clarify their why and navigate a path to deeper fulfillment professionally and personally. Janae understands the unique demands of leaders under fire. Your plate is full. You can't do anything else. And in order for your brain to get a break, you have to take a step back, right? You have to allow productivity to be rest. Janae joined Hello Health in October of 2021 as a full-time whole person counselor. She provides an integrative mix of humanistic and cognitive behavioral therapy. She emphasizes the role of the relationship between the therapist and client and a belief in an individual's ability to achieve their goals. So if you're not able to live within your light, then there are things that have happened and experiences that have transpired that has prevented that. And I want to figure out how we can get to your why so that you can get to your peace. Janae Hicks, we are so excited to have you on the team at Hello Health. Me too. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Carmen. I like to say that at Hello Health, we're in the business of personal health transformation. I love what we do. First of all, you live that. Let's just be clear about that. <laughs> like, It's not just the mission of the company. It is what you hold me to. It is how you treat every patient, every client. You have totally made me a believer. <laughs> That's so always good to hear. <laughs> Everyone on our team has had a life before we entered healthcare. By that I mean I didn't go straight to medical school from undergraduate studies. Right? All of our counselors have spent years in the workforce before returning to school to become therapists. So I'm just wondering what your journey was like to becoming a therapist. So interesting, right? Because um I think that I have always been into people. So I've always been into humans and I always knew that I wanted to help. I just wasn't quite sure how it was going to look or how it was going to play out. Um, I have been married for most of my adult life, right? So I got married really young. I've been a mother most of my adult life. And I say that I grew up at Morehouse School of Medicine. So most of my professional training, so to speak, um, happened in graduate medical education at Morehouse School of Medicine. I spent over a decade there. And um, probably about five years in, I realized that there was not a sustainable way for to care for these high performing physicians who um, essentially had dedicated their entire life to service, right? And so I wanted to figure out how I could be more impactful. What could I do to help? And I 
I, I developed these very intimate personal relationships with these physicians. Obviously, when you work with people for a decade, you learn them personally. And I learned that they weren't just doctors. They were mothers. They were, you know, humans caring for aging parents. They were going through divorce. They had financial issues. They were, you know, nervous about the next steps in their career. And it wasn't enough space for them to just be human. Um, and so I was already doing wellness work at Morehouse School of Medicine, really intentional in how we can provide uh, intentional care to our residents. And so it only made sense that I, I go back and, and get credential, right? So I'm already like into humans, but how can I make certain that I have empirically supported evidence-based interventions to really do the good work? Oh my goodness, that's such a mouthful. Let's go back. That was. <laughs> the residents, you mean resident physicians. So resident um, physicians. physicians who have graduated from medical school and are now under supervision while they um, explore and deepen their experience with patient care. So um, you were part of the wellness team for those resident physicians? That's actually a great question. So I, I was the associate director of graduate medical education. So basically my job was to ensure that they got through their training experience. So whatever that looked like, you know. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. So, <laughs> yeah, because we all know that there's a war for the soul of the physician going right? on in America. Like, there, your soul is at risk Period. while you endure 80 to 100 hours a week caring for people who are, they're not happy people. Not, right? They're not sick, very commonly hospitalized, and sometimes in intensive care units or headed to, unfortunately, long-term care facilities. This is not easy stuff no. to to look at and to witness in terms of human suffering. And so I would suggest to you that the soul of our young physicians who are coming up in their training um, is is at risk. Absolutely. And, and you, you observe that. Absolutely, for sure. And you wanted to help. Absolutely. And I wanted to provide a space for them to be okay with ba balancing the strength and the vulnerability that I think that it takes to be a doctor, right? And so mm -hmm. they are expected to perform at the highest level. Like when you're a physician, you have to get it right. Like everyone expects for you to get it right. But the uniqueness of the residency training experience is you have to get it wrong, right? And so you come into this space with these high level perfectionistic tendencies, expecting I don't that, know anything about that. Right, exactly, right? No. <laughs> you, know, you have to know, you have to get it right. And you have these unrealistic expectations about how you're gonna show up and be the best doctor that you, that you knew how to be and you always knew you were going to be, but you don't know anything. And so, you know what? Our um, podcast guest, Dr. Kimberly Manning, who basically brought me up, she was my mentor in medicine. Right. She told me when we were on rounds one day, you know who you really are after you've been awake for 30 hours and you still have to keep going. Period. Whoever shows up then, that's who you are. And I was like, <laughs> oh, oh no. <laughs> Dr. Manning, oh no, you don't want to know who I am after that. <laughs> no, seriously. And then remember too, and of course, you know this, Dr. Mohan, when you are in medical school, like you're face to face with all of these brilliant people. You're used to being the smartest in the classroom, oh, yeah. right? And oh, then yeah. you go to medical school and everybody's just as smart. And then when you get to residency, you're not you're not smart, right? You're no longer smart because you have all of these layers of control and, and people that you have to answer to and everybody is telling you what to do and you start to second 
second guess your competence, right? You you start yeah. to second guess if you really have what it takes to save lives. And 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 you're living the human experience. So and you're trying to navigate the fact that every person in your peer group, unless they're in residency, is experiencing life differently. You are trying to explain to your family that has never been to medical school and doesn't understand the practice of medicine that you can't call them, that you're not gonna be able to talk to them, that you're exhausted, that you're studying for the boards, and you're expected to still show up on rounds, have read everything that you needed to read, prepare for your next patient, and you're tired, they're exhausted. You sure you didn't go to medical school? (laughs) It's like, I'm like, okay, it seems like you did go to medical school. These residents became my entire life, my focus, figuring out how to give them an intentional level of support that made them feel just a little bit of relief. It became everything to me. Right. And so that's that's where I came to do this work. I'm like, what can I do? Wait, you're jumping again. You were able to offer these very high-flying people. Yes. You know, they're not just really smart. They also are uber responsible. Being a resident physician is not just about learning and knowing where your um, knowledge deficits are, but being uber responsible to patients and their families. And you were able to offer a safe space where they could be vulnerable. And I just thank you for that because not everybody has that space while they're training. And that's why sometimes the soul doesn't come out preserved. I'm so happy that you did that. And, um, you know, I just really want to not let you skip over how yeah, much, no, I you, appreciate how much work that, that and, was. And, and it's not an easy person to support. Too, right? Yeah, like yeah. To, for allowing that space for us to say, you know what, we're going to prioritize wellness Absolutely. in a very intentional way. So Especially um, as COVID, like the outbreak of COVID, it's just been you know, and now there's a a pandemic and you've never seen that virus before. And there's all the complicated, like we keep going and, 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 and wondering why our healthcare workforce burns out. Period. And, and to your point, never um, discounting that these are black physicians for the most part, or if Mm -hmm. they are not, they're still serving a vulnerable population. Right. And so um, more often than not, they feel helpless to that population and they have to go home with that. And so, you know, trauma by definition is intolerable and unbearable. And so they have to go into these very intolerable circumstances and still come out sane. You know, they still have to come out with the bigger and to be able to do their work and and to stay connected to the practice of medicine. And that's not easy. So for you watching these high flyers and becoming that support, um, you initially were not uh, a counselor, right? No. Um, But the motivation to become a counselor, where did that really come from? You were already helping. That's a great question. Um, So I have, you know, some very important people in my life. One of them being Dr. Yolanda Wimberly, who was at that time, she was the DIO and the Senior Associate Dean for Graduate Medical Education. And she, of course, is a high, you know, leader under fire and just a great doctor and a great mentor. And she never took breaks. And, and I think the first the first person that made me humanize medicine was her, right? So you had this this leader who was showing up every day, giving everything that she could to the practice of medicine. And I would say to myself, yeah, but doc, what about you? Like, like what can I do to relieve some of the pressure that she has? And that's what made me really step up as the associate director. It started 
by me being able to support her differently. And when I would mention wellness to her, obviously it wasn't her thing, but she she backed me, she sponsored me and advocated for me to have a space within graduate medical education to now kind of foster this this platform for resident well-being differently than how it had been um introduced at Morehouse previously. And but it started with my relationship with her. It started with me seeing her as a mother and a wife and a woman and a doctor, not just a right. doctor. Right. Not the doctor first. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> By the way, you called me Dr. Mohan. You know to call me Dr. Know. Carmen. What's going on? I know. You know? I know. Person first. I know, but first. let me tell you something. When we start talking about docs, when we start talking about that residency piece, yeah. I never want to devalue or diminish the the effort that it takes to, for doctors to do what they do. And I think supporting oh, wow. them, you really understand that it's hard work. And, and what I learned working with um, Hello Health is that it's not just doctors, it's all leaders. And, and so we'll get yes. into that later, but Morehouse School of Medicine gave me that first introduction into understanding what it really takes to be able to do that type of work. So you you applied to, I guess, Mercer and decided yes! to go through their program. <laughs> Tell me more about that journey. Absolutely. So um, I decided that I was going to and um, embark on this very difficult journey because mind you, I am deciding as the perfectionist and, um, you know, type A personality that I am, that I'm going to go back to graduate school while raising two children and leading a residency (laughs) and fellowship program and trying to connect with my husband and and do all the things. Um, Mercer offered the... uh, a space where I have felt like I can do that best, right? Because they really um, focus on a non-traditional student. And so went to Mercer at night um, and started on what now would be my, my life's purpose. But when I first started at Mercer, one of the things that stood out for me is like, I found my people, like I found my oh. tribe, right? Like <laughs> I'm doing this thing and everyone's talking the same thing. We're talking kindness to self and we're we're talking reducing stigma and we are talking, you know, mental health. And I'm like, oh my gosh, everyone is speaking the same language. And so <laughs> that was probably one of the first times in my life where I felt like that aha moment. I felt like I could breathe. Like, oh my gosh, like I'm really going to do this and I'm going to do it well. That is so cool. I love it when I find my people and you're just like, oh, it's so much easier now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not the only one. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why I met Megan. I know, but the listeners don't. So, like, you would tell me more. I don't actually understand. What year was she in and you okay, were on right. some other track? Okay. First, first, let me tell you about Megan Davies. Okay, so Megan the and fabulous I. Megan right, Davies. The fabulous Megan Davies. Okay, so first, Megan and I were um, both non-traditional students. Um, and I think she had just resigned as CEO. And, of course, I was still working in leadership at Morehouse School of Medicine. So we really connected because we we both wanted to be closer to the work. We we were making these major shifts in our career um, at, you know, I guess non, you know, traditional times. And we were like, we're going to do something totally different than we uh, uh, initially thought. Um, when we first started our journeys professionally and we just really connected and we stayed connected. Now, Megan, the consummate overachieving professional that she is, she finished our program in like a year. Like she had to go, right? She had to go and like ask for 
you know, permission, special permission to take more classes. And it was like a two and a half year program. <laughs> so, right. And so we was, we would uh, connect with each other um, and stay connected um, once she was into practice and I was finishing up my practice on my internship. And as I was coming out of my internship, trying to decide how I was going to use this new skill set, she suggested that I come on to Hello Health and work as a contract physician. I'm sorry, a That's contract because clinician. because she's fabulous. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I said, <laughs> okay, like, it sounds yeah. like a, a new adventure. It definitely sounds like my population and let's do it. And, and so I came over. So Megan, shout out. Thank you for stealing Janae and putting her with us. We really appreciate it. She totally fits. Yeah, no, it was it was it was one of the best decisions that I have made as an adult. Definitely um, life changing. Our team has moved away from the phrase mental health and instead embraced the concept of brain health. Tell yeah. me more about your philosophy surrounding brain health. Okay, so brain health is definitely a Carmen thing. Um, she, it, she has <laughs> it's my fault. It's right, right. My fault. No, seriously, Thanks. like yeah. she, she has um, reintroduced what it means to care about the whole person. And I do, I want to say this: like, it's important that we know and understand that cultures are built because leaders embrace what, like, their own philosophy. And I had a recent. Um, you know, death in a family. And I was just kind of, I was mm. overloaded. Like my plate was just full. And, and obviously at Hello Health, we are booming. We are booked and busy and we are doing really good work. And, and so my schedule is, is packed. And Carmen, you called me and you told me like, I'm taking you off the schedule. Like I need you to take Friday of and I need you I to do absolutely nothing. Like don't call me, don't take a client. Like <laughs> we're not podcasting. And that embodies whole person health, brain health, right? It it means that sometimes you don't have enough within yourself to say you are at your window of tolerance from a psychotherapy perspective. Like you, your plate is full. You can't do anything else. And in order for your brain to get a break, you have to take a step back, right? You have to allow productivity to be rest. And what you have taught me about brain health and, and normalizing and prioritizing wellness and brain health is that most of the time that starts with how are you going to defend your calendar? How are you going to prioritize yourself? How are you going to model and practice what you preach? And that has been a whole thing for me, Carmen, right? <laughs> like I came off this hamster wheel where we are doing the work and we have to show up. And we like, you've told me like, I'm not going to check my email, Janae Hicks, after a certain time. So you can email me if you want, but I'm not going to check it. So how about you just stop emailing me, right? And the, like the, what has happened is I have so much more mental real estate to show oh, up good. and do the good work. Right. And so even just from a practicing what I preach model, my brain feels lighter. Like I feel relief, like my body feels um, more um, in tune and aligned with like who I am hoping to become like that part of it. Like that's brain oh, health for wow. me. I don't know if that was a great answer, no, but it's that's my fantastic. answer. Fantastic. <laughs> Basically what I heard you say, there's what you said, then there's what I heard you say. <laughs> brain health allows you enough real estate to grow into who you were meant to become. Yes, that right there. 
And it's so important, and it's hard for everyone, and it's even harder if you're a high flyer, no matter what the field it is, yeah. right? No matter what it is that your purpose is. It's so interesting to me because um, I just think mental health has made it so much harder for us to try to practice brain health involving not just our emotional life, but our spiritual life right. and our physical health. And putting all of that together, it's been really helpful to me to have uh, a partner like you when I'm um, doing what I do in class. Yes. Right. And I can't tell you how much our clients rave about you, how helpful you've been to them, and how they've been growing as a result of working with you, Janae. And, you know, through our interdisciplinary care rounds, we get a chance to talk, but we usually talk about what problems we're having rather than celebrating our own successes. So I need to change that. I need to become a better leader. need to celebrate the wins. No, we did that. No, 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 we did that during our last rounds. You were like, listen, let's take a second and lift up in this space that we are getting it right most of the time, right? We get, you know, when you get it right and people... They do feel relief first, Absolutely. and then they start to shine. And it's so such a privileged place we have. Um, but I want you to know that it, you coming on board, it, it has really transformed the way that I've been able to practice. I've always wanted to practice this wow. way. But having you on board helps me practice that way. I appreciate hearing it. I take it all. I receive it all and please <laughs> give me more. No, let me tell you something. Our clients are amazing. Like, Aren't they? They I come know. open and ready to do the work. And, you know, from a, um, a psychotherapy perspective, from a therapist journey, like the journey of counseling, it is individualized. The the client owns their experience. The client owns the outcome. And so when you have clients that are willing to come and be open and and see a different perspective and you're able to use um, science and empathy to mitigate um, these these things that feel overwhelming, it's, it, it, it makes life better, right? It makes life better for everyone. And so I love our clients. They make me so happy. Yes, absolutely. I think that... Um for whatever reason, we've been able to establish the safe space, the backstage for many, many, um, I I say our patients, our clients, our clinic members, uh, the people who we try to be a hero for, For because we know that the world will be a better place when they're feeling whole inside of themselves. Carmen, that's a whole word. Like, seriously, (laughs) like the one thing that I can say about our team and I think what inspires me, encourages me is that we are all united in our quest to save this world. Okay, (laughs) and it might feel lofty and ambitious, but we feel very strongly about our ability to be able to show up um, in um, an intentional and impactful way and, and help these leaders find peace so that they can have more room on the outside to be able to do the important work that they're doing. It's a big deal. And to your earlier uh, point, and we offer that grace to each other and we expect self-care as is a professional responsibility within our team. Absolutely. So I'm really glad that you didn't push back that day. I called. I don't even know if I called you. I just texted. I was like, you're not coming. Right. That's exactly what you <laughs> don't said. come. Yeah. Don't email me. Don't talk to me. <laughs> In the very definitive Carmen way that, you know, like very rarely do you pull the boss card, but that's how oh. said, oh, like, no. listen, don't like, this is what it is. And it was so, I felt so much better as so a matter glad. of fact, 
um, I made it a point to defend my calendar differently because of that experience, right? So I built in, you know, downtime where I can just refocus my attention on Fridays and make certain that I have a little bit of time to to provide clarity and thought and clarity and connection is what I call it. And that was because of what you did. So yeah, we model it here. It's a thing. I have to say that when we think of talk therapy, most of us don't understand the difference in methods between counselors. So would you please explain, first of all, what is PCT that you practice? Okay, so um, person-centered therapy, basically, I believe in the human human's capability to self-actualize. So I believe that when you walk into the therapeutic space, um, you are already all right. And so it, the model was presented by Carl Rogers and as a humanist. Oh, I love right? Carl right? Rogers. I had no idea. Yeah. He's the PCT yes. guy. Oh, yeah. So person- this book on becoming a person changed my life. That part, right? And so um, person-centered therapists believe that the clients are in the pilot seat and we are the co-pilot. So we believe that you have everything that you need to live the life that you've imagined. What we're doing is we're trying to identify the barriers to peace, right? And so how does that look? And in my practice, um, I live in an origin story. I believe in family systems. I'm a trauma-informed therapist. So there are certain considerations that I'm taking when you are walking into the space with me. There are, you know, the racial implications I am considering, the social implications that I'm considering. Um, I, I believe that you already have a story before you walk in, and that has informed how you connect with people and your behavior pattern. What I also know is that you are amazing and that's innate and so if you're not able to live within your light then there are things that have happened and experiences that have transpired that has prevented that and I want to figure out how we can get to your why so that you can get to your peace and and so my clients my clients drive the therapeutic experience for me that is so so awesome so so awesome thank you for describing that I am looking forward to the workshops you facilitate. What do you think is the most important one? Um, so I think that supporting high-performing professionals is what I do, right? They have to show up to these industries and they, they have to do the hard work. They're working to provide equitable access and serve underserved populations. And they have to show up and never make excuses and figure out the next right move um, for entire organizations. They have to use maximum brain power literally at all times, but they're not really given permission to be humans. So what the workshops that I look forward to are the ones that allow me to first provide more information from a psychoeducation perspective on why they're not insane for being tired, right? They're tired because they're, they do a lot and they need rest. Um, I love the reimagined workshops that Hello Health the, they do during uh, the lunch hour. So it's like for one hour, I get to sit with 
this um in this client base that has decided to have a, a coffee or a sandwich with me and I get to just talk to them about anxiety. I get to talk to them about redefining boundaries. I get to talk to them about depression and, and what it means to rethink anger. And so whenever I have an opportunity to just normalize the human experience, that is like my my sweet spot. That's where I live. Janae, I have to laugh at you. Only you can be really enthusiastic about <laughs> discussing depression and anger. Let's all go for it, y'all. <laughs> right, because it's just it's just us. Like it's it's the human experience. I am anxiety. Absolutely. You are anxiety. It means your brain is working. So I want you to stop being so hard on yourself. Like the self-compassion piece is a big deal for me, right? Like if you are having difficulties, it's probably because what you're doing is difficult, right? So let's just normalize that for a second. So yeah, I love talking to people about um, about brain health, about what it means to care about yourself and be intentional with it. Well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned self-compassion, actually, because did you know self-compassionate people are more charismatic? Well, I can imagine it because Janae Hicks and Carmen Mohan might be the most charismatic people on the world in the world. And we are. And, very- yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and I've recently taken a test to prove that. So it's like I'm like 3.5 on a 4.0 scale and self-compassion. Because, there's the I was data. Like, Go me. because where are we without yeah. data, right? Well, it better be evidence based. So if I'm saying it, I better have some numbers to back it up. John Dudley, our CTO, scored higher. He's 3.7. I'm like, no wonder you're so charismatic. <laughs> <laughs> but it is true. If you want to be more charismatic, be more self-compassionate. Hello. Okay, whole brain health. People. Listen, and let me tell you how you do that. It just means being kind to yourself. What can you do to make certain that you are prioritizing you? How can you choose you? What What is the 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 sweet? soft voice that you are giving to yourself when you're having a hard day? Like, what does kindness mean? And how can you provide that more for you? Well, that's a great segue, Janae. It's time for action steps. And that sounded like one. Okay. So what else can we do to start feeling better today? Let's start with number one, be self-compassionate. Yes. Number two, breath work. Okay. When in breath work, just breathe. Do you hear what I'm telling you guys? Okay. okay. So listen, why is that important? Because when you feel yourself becoming dysregulated, just breathe. When the voices in your head become too loud and they're trying to convince you that the worst is bound to happen and is spinning its own narrative, just breathe. Um, when you are uncertain about the next right move, just breathe. Your breath is your anchor. It allows you to reset. It brings you back to present and grounds you. So if nothing else, the first step in every therapeutic experience with Janae Hicks is to learn to breathe. Just breathe. Janae, that is a lot of information. We're going to have to have you back yeah, on the show. You better. All right. <laughs> you give me some good stuff. Thank you for listening to Hello Health today. If you're searching for us on a podcasting app, please remember to smush the words hello and health together. Leave out the space. You can show your support by signing up to receive our newsletter at hellohealthtoday.com. If you're on your cell, scroll all the way down the page. Until next time, remember, today is good. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. 
Because I am a medical doctor, it's important for me to tell you that nothing I say here in this podcast can substitute for your doctor's advice. My lawyers make me say the same thing this way. The contents of this podcast are neither intended nor implied to be relied on for medical diagnosis, care, or treatment concerning any individual. Under no circumstances does this podcast create a physician-patient relationship, nor does it constitute engagement in the practice of medicine or the provision of any healthcare service to an individual patient. This podcast should not be used as a substitute for professional diagnosis and treatment. Consult a healthcare provider before making any healthcare decisions or to obtain guidance about any medical conditions. The producers of this podcast expressly disclaimed responsibility and shall have no liability for any damages, loss, injury, or liability whatsoever suffered as a result of reliance on the information contained in this podcast.